Welcome new listeners, welcome old school listeners, and a special thank you and hello to my Patreon supporters. Today, legend, we've got the Black Widow, the Beast in a Night, the Whitco Tail, and Fresh Faces. All brought to your lovely ears. Strap yourself in, turn off the lights, and turn up the sound. Because you're in for something creepy. Enjoy! <laughs> the Black Widow When I was 24, working as a teacher assistant at my alma mater, I met her. She was the girl of my dreams, gorgeous and smart and sweet and funny. She was one of those rare girls, no skeletons in their closet, no weird habits, was comfortable in her own body, and I fell for her heart. She was a student in my class, and every Tuesday was just heaven, because she even signed up for my lab time. I wanted to sing when I saw her coming the first time, her glossy black hair in a neat ponytail. If you cared, she was of Asian descent. So I talked to her, got to know her, and started dating her at the end of the semester. All through spring, we got closer, though we never slept together. And I knew by the time summer came that this was the girl I wanted to marry. So because my mother raised me right, I set it up that she'd come back home with me for a week to meet my family. I assumed that we'd go and meet hers later in the summer. At the end of the week, my family loved her, thanks for asking. I mentioned meeting her parents. She paused for a moment and said, Well, I guess, but my family's a little weird. I didn't think anything of it. She was probably worried about culture clash. Babe, you just spent a week with my crazy redneck family. I'm sure I can deal with yours. She shrugged and that was that. She went back home for the rest of the summer and we would meet at least once a week just to hang out. And near the end of July, I went to spend a week with her family. As I thought, she'd been over-exaggerating. Her mum was a real polite lady with a habit of covering her mouth when she smiled. Her grandma was one of those tiny little old Japanese ladies who didn't seem to speak English. Her little sister was very shy around me and barely spoke, usually looking down and away from me. Her dad, as far as I could understand, was often out in business and I didn't meet him. We slept in separate rooms because, well, her mum was pretty strict about that. And this is where it gets weird. The first night I heard a weird, scuttling noise. There's no other way to really describe it. It bothered me. So I got up and locked the door and turned on the light. Nothing in my room. I laughed it off and went back to sleep. When I asked them about it in the morning, her mother seemed discomforted by my question. She reluctantly told me that there were some rats in the attic and they didn't have the money to get the exterminator. I laughed and let her know that I could deal with a few rats. For the next few days, we all went out to visit the local sites. And though my girlfriend looked concerned at times, all I did was laugh off any weirdness. Like when her grandmother creaked out something at the zoo at the kangaroos and I asked her about it. She told me that apparently her grandmother thought they looked tasty. Or when her sister refused my offer of ice cream because she was lactose intolerant, that my girlfriend had enjoyed desserts with me before. Stuff like that seemed more or less the standard level of weird for cross-culture relationships though like the stewed fish with the head still on. The scuttling about never stopped, and I guess I should have gotten used to it, though there was still something about it that 
bothered me. I couldn't put my finger on it, so at the end of the week I finally decided to sneak out and check out the attic. I'm no fool, so I brought a good flashlight, told my girlfriend, who frowned and told me that this was a bad idea and that she didn't want me to get bitten, and found a nice sturdy stick in the backyard. I quickly pulled down the attic stairs, shining my light into the darkness. Nothing. So I climbed up and took a look around. It was weird. There wasn't really much in the attic, just some boxes labelled with whatever was in the Christmas decorations or stuffed animals, etc. But in the corner, there was a small cot. I knew right then that I should have left well enough alone. But I already had gone this far, so I moved toward it. There was no one on it, just a blanket and a pillow, and I was a few feet away when I felt something bite my ankle. I swept the flashlight around, panicking, and saw a fleeting shadow at the edge of the beam. My mother didn't raise any idiot, so I got out of there right then. I hobbled down the stairs as fast as I could, down the hallway to my room, and closed the door. My ankle hurt like hell and was swollen. Whatever it was, I wasn't about to wake everyone up because I'd been poking around their house, so I figured I'd try to sleep it off. The scuttling. I woke in the dark. My leg was on fire. The pillow was damp from my sweat. I felt sick. I turned the light on, and there she was. She was a middle-aged lady, naked and unkempt, with long, tangled black hair. She was thin to the point of being skeletal with a strangely round abdomen. Kind of like what you see on starving people with a thick red welt in the middle. It scared the living daylight out of me to see her there. But it scared me more when I could see her face. Because she was smiling. Her eyes were dark, black from corner to corner with no trace of a pupil or white. And her mouth was unusually wide. And her teeth were missing. Well, mostly missing. Two close-set black fangs poked out of their gums. I screamed bloody murder and scrambled back against the headboard. She lifted her lips at the sound and raised her arms. I noticed with horror the crusted grime under her fingernails. I was going to die. She was going to cut my throat with those ugly talons, and I was going to bleed out. And then I was going to die. The door slammed open and my girlfriend grabbed the monstrous woman by the arm, speaking rapidly in a foreign language. Her mother came in right behind her and I couldn't believe it when they dragged the thing out of the room. I sat alone for a few minutes, sweating from pain and fear. Her little sister peeked in around the door and when I didn't start screaming again, she came and sat down at the foot of my bed. We sat quietly and listened to the attic stairs slam upwards. She sighed and smiled in either hope or relief. It didn't matter, because I felt my heart stop in my chest, right in front of her bright white human teeth. There were two small, sharp fangs. I guess you met Auntie Lacey, huh? And that is where the story ends. This story is credited to the person called Yuki. Fresh Faces Hi, I'm Seth. I'm writing this note, bottling it and tossing it in the brook by my house. Writing helps me keep my sanity. Hopefully, somebody who still reads will pick it up and come help me. It started a month ago. I was down in my basement office on my computer watching old Mystery Science Theatre 3000 reruns. The phone rang next to me, but 
I didn't pay attention to it. It was never for me. On the off occasion it was, it was usually my brother, and half the time where we were on the phone my nephew would try to grab it and talk to me himself. Mum yelled down the stairs that the phone was for me. Yeah, I lived at home with my folks. Sue me. Anyway, I picked up. Hello? I said, paying more attention to the antics of the robot on the screen. It's begun. The voice was little more than a whimper, a plea. I didn't even recognize the voice. Excuse me? I asked, wondering who on earth was calling. They've come. I don't have much time, Jeff. You told me to call if what we did caused trouble. Now, a little worried, I said, I think you've got the wrong number. This is Seth, not Jeff. Don't go outdoors! The person shrieked. Completely freaked out, I disconnected the call. It must have been some prank caller, but I wasn't amused. Rattled. I put the matter behind me. Much later, I finished watching videos and shut the lights off to head upstairs. It was pitch black. But I knew the way. The dark seemed a little more oppressive this time, though. I shrugged off the feeling and went upstairs. As I passed through the living room, I chanced a look out the window. There were people outside, on a walk or something. I checked my watch and it said 3am. That's weird, I muttered. I stumbled up to my room and drifted off to sleep. I was a fool that first night. If I'd recognized what I'd seen, I would have saved myself the terror and just stepped outside. The next morning, the news was on. That was odd, since my dad usually turned to the sports channel before we went off to work. I didn't even glance at it as I threw on a tie and stumbled into the bathroom. An uneasy feeling crept into my gut as I did my morning routine. I usually had to fight for bathroom space, but today, there wasn't a sound. I peeked out of the room and saw that the front door was open, but the glass storm door wasn't. There wasn't a sound. Looking outdoors, I saw those same people I'd seen the night before. I opened the door. Immediately, their head snapped towards me. I recoiled and leapt inside as quickly as I could, feeling something catch at my ankle as I did so. Their faces were fixed in expressionless gazes, and their mouths were slightly agape and dripping blood. I looked down and saw one right next to the porch, withdrawing its arm. It had tried to grab me. With a dizzying feeling of horror, I recognized my little brother. Slamming the door, I locked it tight and stumbled back into the living room. The television was reporting that a disease was spreading south from Canada across the US. I shut it off and pointlessly called out to see if anyone else was in the house. No answer. So began my solitary existence. The news ran for a few days before they were caught. They kept making the most stupid mistake, going home every night. The electricity has stayed running. I guess someone left the switch on at the factory. Or maybe it's just northern New England that's been overrun. I don't know. The internet has been out too, so that's annoying. While the news was running, they called them zombies. Going back to that old standby. I guess it works. I mean, they don't do a whole lot and they definitely did. They walk around until their legs rot out from under them. Then they crawl until they literally fall to pieces. While they've got legs, though, they're fast. That's how they jumped my family. 
I suppose. And the police car that drove up to the house to see if there were any survivors. <laughs> that wasn't fun to look at every morning. They overturned my car while chasing him, so I'm stuck. Cops to the rescue again. They don't really need food, so they didn't finish eating the poor guy. But they dismembered him. That's why he couldn't get up and join them. I could see him gnashing his teeth fruitlessly, though. For about a week, a guy on the radio pointed out that they were falling to pieces, so all we needed to do was wait them out. Then he got impatient and went outdoors. Nobody's been on the radio for two weeks. I'm in trouble, though. You see, the house has no food left. I can't wait for them to all fall down dead all over again. I made a couple of expeditions to the general store. Lucky I had that sword collection upstairs. They're all too slow to catch me when I run, but there are so many that I sometimes panic. Last time, they nearly got me. I broke the front door getting back in. Now the cold seeps in every night, and I can see one standing out on the porch right now, not ten feet from where I'm writing this. You're safe indoors, don't ask me why they abhor coming inside. Whatever the reason, it's been my lifeline. Unfortunately, they seem to know that there's someone alive in the house. Don't ask me how, this fellow on the front step doesn't even have eyes anymore. Maybe they can hear a heartbeat or smell sweat. Or blood. I spent a couple of days naming them. Some of the faces I recognized and gave them old names to name them. The same old gang's been hanging around for the last few weeks slowly dropping in number as they fall to pieces. They've wandered off, though. There are 79 who were once men and 63 who were once women out there. Once, just to see what would happen, I shot one in the head with a shotgun. You know, to see if the old shooter zombie in the head and they die for good. Adage had any truth. So I actually got 79 who were once men, 62 who were once women, and one who was once a woman, who decided to keep standing even after losing about 80% of her head. And I'm down one shotgun shell. So they wait, and I'm losing it. I talk to myself constantly, and I ate a stuffed animal last night. The cotton went down hard, but it felt good to have something in my stomach again. There are no fruit trees around, and anyways, it's November. Water has been getting scarcer. The tap water stopped working eight days ago. Lucky I'd filled a bathtub and every bottle I could find before it stopped. <sighs> oh, great. Now the lamp's getting brighter and I hear a buzzing sound. I wonder if the power was going out. Well, that wasn't fun. Total loss of power for four days. Ever try sleeping in the dark? Knowing that there are things just outside that will kill you and make you one of them the first chance they get? Probably, since these things are everywhere as far as I can tell. Quick update. I mentioned Herschel, that guy on the porch. Well, one of his legs fell off, so he's sitting down and sniffing at it. Thank God they lose all their higher brain functions. I'm pretty sure the soul isn't held captive in these things, and that this is all the disease, or whatever, trying to spread itself as far as it can in the population. I don't know if you've noticed this, reader, but the animals just don't seem to be affected. It's a small comfort, of course. They die if they eat the flesh, but they don't get back up once they die. Weird, huh? I'm getting hungry and desperate. Maybe just, maybe, I can load the old .22 and bag a squirrel from inside. 
But how will I get it? On one hand, I'm a bit optimistic that you're out there now, whoever you are. The power couldn't have come back if there weren't people out there working to restore order. I'm feeling lucky. Time to grab a sword and go drop this in the brook. Maybe this whole thing is almost over. Maybe. On the other hand, if it is almost over, why are there fresh faces outside today? And this is credited to Anonymous. The Whittico Tale Long ago, two young brothers went out into the cold winter woods to hunt for food, since the village was running low. In fact, they were a bit hungry when they began their search. They looked far and wide, and the younger brother said he found something. Can we eat this? No, we can't eat a dead leaf replied the elder. They searched farther and wider and grew hungrier. Can we eat this? The younger asked again. No, we can't eat pine needles. They searched farther and wider and got much hungrier and colder. Please, can we eat this? Asked the younger. I'm sorry, brother, but no, we can't eat twigs. Farther and farther they searched, and more and more they starved and froze. All they could think about was food for themselves, never mind their village, which was so far away now. I can't eat leaves. I can't eat pine needles. I can't eat twigs. I can't eat bark. Please, spirits, show me something to eat. Can we eat this? The elder brother looked at the younger brother, who held a palm full of berries. He smiled as Hot tears rolled down his cold cheeks. Yes, said the tearful brother. You can eat those. The younger offered half of them to his brother, but the elder insisted his brother should eat them all. You found them after all. You earned them. I'll be fine for another day or two. Thank you, brother, said the smiling younger brother as he popped the whole handful of berries into his mouth. They were deliciously sweet. And so, they travelled farther. But the younger brother became very sick. He collapsed into the snow and went into a terrible fit. He called and reached out for his brother. But his elder brother ran a distance ahead, sank into the snow, covered his ears, shut his eyes, and tried to block out his brother's cries for help. He wasn't sure when, but the elder noticed his brother's cries had ceased. He looked back to see his brother splayed out in the snow, his eyes wet with tears but unblinking. The elder's tears were frozen on his cheeks as he looked down, expressionless. He kneeled over his brother and drew his knife. Yes, I can eat this. The brother never returned to the village, but other hunters went out looking for them. They found the defiled corpse, its bones picked clean and the snow beneath it stained a ruddy brown. Those hunters later said that something stalked those woods now with a cold heart and an insatiable hunger as punishment for its terrible sins. The Beast in the Night Sometimes I can hear it pacing around my bed. It's kind of in a hurried motion, as if he had more than two feet, which he doesn't. I know because sometimes I catch a glimpse of him. He looks a bit anorexic if 
he's even human. For all I know, he could have been buff for his kind. If there's anyone of his kind, God, I hope not. His mouth is wider than anything I've ever seen. I think he either broke his jaw or has no jaw. Another thing that doesn't help the fact is that his large, gaping, hollow mouth is accompanied by two beady eyes with black skin surrounding them. Another thing that I know is that he's blind. I once met his eyes, but he turned as if I wasn't there. I try to meet his eyes a lot, but I get no response. What makes up for his loss of eyesight is his sensitive hearing. Once my cat jumped off the couch and the beast heard it from my room, he bolted out of my room and then silence. The next day, my cat was found dead in the backyard and they all thought a coyote or a stray dog had killed it. I could only make out a huge human-like bite mark under its torso. He had killed it. He had to have. I have never seen anything that could make a bite so large. All I could say is that a coyote could not have possibly created such a huge bite. Tonight was a different night. I had to sneeze and I did, but the pillow muffled it. I didn't think he noticed. He just turned and scratched my closet door. At least, that's what I thought he was doing. After a while, it seemed as if he was writing something. To my amazement, he was. I started freaking out once I lost sight of him in the darkness. The only thing that calmed me was the complete silence. My pupils dilated, and I could see in the dark. I saw in the corner where he once crept to, and he wasn't there. Then I heard at the foot of my bed a growl, like an angered dog's growl. My heart sunk deep into my chest, and my heart rate must have slowed down a lot. Even after this, I dared not move. As it crawled slowly closer to my face, I read its message carved into my closet door. I heard you. Well, 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 you amazing listeners. I hope you enjoyed your tales today. We had spider creatures, monsters in the night, a plague that would get under everyone's skin, and cannibalism that led to the very first Wendigo. Legends, I hope you enjoyed the tales. If you like what I do and want to support me, visit my Patreon, which is www.patreon.com forward slash SFGT, where you can send some love my way. I never run ads and never freaking will. So all love sent my way is super appreciated i also want to thank my patreon supporters first and foremost my ode night tea titan the megastar the brilliant lovely superstar that grabs this podcast and swings it 360 into space the legendary matto star mate thank you for your amazing support i've been using your donation to cover costs for the website buy some fancy new sound effects buy some brand new music i'm always buying brand new music and a brand new daw so a door not the one you open the one that you use to edit so i'm using reaper right now and i'm getting a lot better at it thanks for spending some time on the weekends tinkering around with special effects but thanks to you i'm able to purchase this kind of fancy fancy cool gear thank you so much you legend and my friend matto star thanks mate and the amazing, the illustrious, the destroyer of boredom, the pant kicker of what do I do now? The legend that is Leza Bauer, my Halloween aficionado. Thank you for being the stalwart supporter that you are. 
and lifting this podcast every month to new heights. Thank you so much, mate. With your donations, I've covered off some production crates, some sound crate content, and I'm really able to just flex my muscles in this sound engineering space. There's always stuff to get and improve on, and thanks to you, I can really flex my metal when it comes to editing and mastering. Thank you, Letter, my pal and brilliant person. Cheers, man. And of course, my amazing Earl Grain forces and general supporters, I'm lucky to have Chad Warren, Just Heather, Sunshine Days, Juicebox Andy, Peter Raffaele, Michelangelo Yacone, Divided by Zero, Leah Fassig, Alia Arcane, Paige Kramer, Jane Gumnick, and Michael Krupp. Thank you all, you amazing storytellers, you. And now, pour your tea, make it nice, ensure your flavoring is precise. Like a story, let it flow. Let the fables and tales take you home. It's these stories that bring us together and old audio that remind us of how we've changed. Stay a while, have a listen, and as always, I hope to see you again. Have yourself a fantastic week ahead, and I'll catch you next Monday, storytellers. Catch up.